In today's quest, learn why playing it safe might not be so safe after all. This is the quest for power. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Quest for Power, where we are ranking and reviewing all of the European monarchs from the early Middle Ages to World War I. My name is Scott, and our co-host is... I am Michael. And once again, if you did not listen to our previous episode, you should absolutely go and check it out. We went over the battle that decided the fate of Europe between the Roman alliance and Attila the Hun. It was quite the exciting episode, actually. Uh, and honestly, having the fact that we had a Lord of the Rings inspired character was uh, something of a little bit of extra bonus points for me, because yeah. for once we're having something that is more in my realm of the area, except for, yeah, not Game of Thrones, right? Because <laughs> I'm going to be the last holdout when when hell freezes over is when I'll uh, I'll let that one go and probably watch it. <laughs> oh, terrible. I have so many references because they constantly steal from history. I mean, yeah, but I I loved it that we went through Attila the Hun. You always heard of Attila the Hun, but you never really got to know any of the story or how he was defeated and to find out like there's a reason for that, like the battle just <laughs> there were so many conflicting opinions as to what actually happened. Yeah, I and I've at least gathered a little bit of information which uh, fell out of the Swiss cheese holes of my head because I like to listen to just random tidbits of things on YouTube. If it's got like some pretense of educational thought, it's probably something I'll like listen to like while I'm just existing. It might have been like an extra credits set of episodes or something. Also in infotainment you're talking about like information yeah. but it's entertainment yeah i love yeah those. basically give me the give me the spark notes yeah right mm -hmm. i'm trying to do multiple things here and uh as you, as viewers may have uh, gathered is that a lot of historical stuff kind of it all happens in order for a reason and if you're missing one piece it feels like you're like okay i gotta rewind a bit right so and that's how and, you go into like a wormhole of rewinding 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 yeah. until you get all the way to the dawn of time <laughs> yeah and then you realize that like you're just like man well like even just in the video but eventually you just realize like man maybe i should have just like instead of using this as a multitasking tool to fill the void of emptiness and of sound uh instead i should have just basically sat down and just listened to this darn thing in its entirety and maybe yeah. I would have understood a bit more granules of knowledge. I remember like the strokes, uh, the broad strokes here and there, but I always feel like a lot of times that the spark notes at least help you get like the general gist of things. Nothing truly compares to, yeah, the, the full blown, like basically just reading a biography, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the trick with those is that some of them are so dry. History loves to be dry, even though it really is exciting. It's just for some reason, historians 
don't want to make it exciting. And it's really kind of hard to take what their information that they gave us and make it interesting. Well, that's the the tainment part of infotainment, right? Yeah. I think also there's probably a certain level of pride in the sense that it's like everyone has their thing. And sometimes, you know, nerds like to be nerds. <laughs> and as long as there are people who know less of them, they're they're all they're all right. They'll feel better. <laughs> all right. Are you ready for today's story? As ready as I'll ever be. All right. So before we begin, of course, we're going to start with our sources to prove that I kind of know what I'm talking about. Uh, once again, we have Jordanes, and he actually has some good information this time. I've been dunking on him every episode. Granted, whether this is true or not, or is a mystery because his version of the battle, which a lot of this information again comes from, conflicts with St. Gregory of Tours, who we went over last episode. And then our two secondary sources is our favorite Victorian Gibbon and the story of Goths by Henry Bradley. All right, on to the main quest. So despite being the son of a king, we just know nothing about uh, his life. And uh, this king actually that we are going over today is Thorsmund. He is the son of... Wow, you would think I would remember. Theodoric. I almost said Theodosius, but that's a different man. <laughs> no, he's been a he's been dead for a while. Thorismund, who is the son of Theodosius. Theodoric. Theodoric. Oh my god. You this got is... me confused now. Maybe people shouldn't have so many similar names. This is terrible. So we know just about nothing about his life before he became king. Even Wikipedia didn't make anything up this time. Normally, the, Wikipedia makes some fun little story up, but I got nothing before this time. So what we do know is that he was born in the Balti dynasty after his th father, Theodoric, who is not the great one, but the one we went over with last week. He probably received combat training considering he led the, the charge to defeat Attila. Either that, he's just a natural born leader. Yeah, he just woke up and uh, he just came out of his mother's womb holding a sword ready to go to battle. Yeah, you know, all walks of life. It takes all kinds. Thorismund first appears on the record during the Battle of Catalonian Plains or the Battle of Chalons, I've also heard it that we went into great detail last episode. And in case, Scott, you need a refresher, he leads this surprise thunderous charge down a hill to put Attila the Hun to flight when his father is suddenly struck from a dart from the Ostrogothic line. Really sad. Like a dart? Yeah. I know darts are lethal weapons. Which actually is really funny because I know they're not exactly the same, but lawn darts were a thing. And oh, I remember those. Yeah. Do you? I'm pretty sure like those were taken out of just like circulation by the time we were kids. Like you'd be like, oh, look at ye old like, you know, we might have had safety lawn darts, but like the actual ones with death spikes on them. So they stuck in the ground. I remember people talking about them. I've never actually okay. thrown one, but yeah, I remember like I think mentors I've seen talking one. about them. I don't think I have. I think I have like 
just like in an old like garage sale or something. And I actually had an old coworker who told me that like she almost like killed her brother with one of those things. Like, I'm not surprised as it turns out, you know, telling your children to go out in your, the backyard and throw spikes at each other is like, <laughs> boy, you know, back in the day was a different time. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot more safety regulations that we have to follow through now. Such buzzkills. Well, anyway, after the death of his father, Thorismund, who displayed great valor, was chosen by the army to take his father's place upon the throne. But he still has business to finish before heading back to home. What, what business do you have after a battle? Don't leave your foe standing, for one. That's that's probably a good idea. According to our friend Jordanes, after his first real defeat, Attila <laughs> braced himself for the attack that would obliterate the rest of his army. He went full drama queen and ordered a funeral pyre so that when the in inevitable defeat came, he would throw himself into it so that way his body would not be claimed either dead or alive into the power of his enemies. I can kind of respect it. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I probably wouldn't just throw myself in. I'd probably be like, okay, let me like set up a plan, I guess an elaborate plan or simple plan and just be like, yeah, we're going to off ourselves and then I'm going to have my men throw me onto the pyre. Like, because... <laughs> Let's be real. Until the Hun, he's uh, if he gets caught alive, not oh, yeah. only will he just be like paraded throughout like the city in like the worst kind of ways, but also his death is just gonna be like so gruesome. People have received an awful lot worse for doing an awful lot less <laughs> in those times. So I can't imagine that slitting your own throat or something and then having your men throw you on the pyre is like. That's got to be better. Oh, yeah. And Attila the Hun, too. He, he's got to be an extreme personality. Like, I ain't going to let them take me out. I'm going to throw myself into the fire. But the thing is, is you lost one battle. You're <laughs> is Are you really that much of a glass cannon that you lose one battle? You're like, eh, screw it. I'm done. I'm going home. Like, apparently. If it was that big of a blow. But also, like, if you're just kind of, at least as I understood uh is that he had a just kind of a tendency to basically you know being nomadic had a tendency to just kind of like roll around a lot of kind of eggs in one basket principle that is true that is true yes yeah by him only being on horseback kind of once once the the air was taken out of his tires so to speak yeah that he was kind of a sitting duck so i i get that he's got nowhere to go home to yeah. Unless he just flees back east, it's not going to... He's nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. Well, according to Jordanes, quote, Thorsmund was eager to take vengeance for his father's death on the, the remaining Huns, being moved both by the pain of bereavement and impulse of that valor to which he was noted. Yet, he consulted with the patrician Aetius, who, with regard to do what he ought to do next, unquote. Jordanes is a wordy man. Well, a lot of 
older writings are wordy. And and Jordanes continues in parentheses in that quote, he put, for he was an older man and more mature of wisdom. So he's basically saying that like Thorismund was this young kid who just took over after his father's death and he like yielded to the the advice of this Roman who was apparently more mature of wisdom just because he was older. Granted, Atius was a fantastic Roman general. So yeah, get that. but they're not really great allies as evidenced by the last so many episodes where it's like, we're friends. Now we're not. Now we are. Now we're not like, I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, and Jordanes continues, quote, but Atius feared that the Huns were totally if, sorry, he feared if the Huns were totally destroyed by the Goths, the Roman Empire would be overwhelmed and then be urgently advised him to return to his own dominions to take up the rule which his father had left. Otherwise, his brothers might seize their father's possessions and obtain the power over the Visigoths. Unquote. So mm. basically, he is saying, look, you should not go take out the Huns. And you should go, you know, go claim the throne before your brothers take it. But in reality, he's saying like, oh, to do that on to be on uh, Thorsman's side. But in reality, he's like afraid that the if the Visigoths were to destroy the Huns and grab all of that Hunnic land that Attila just conquered, that they would be able to be the superpower and Rome would be at their mercy instead. Yeah, well, that checks out. But I mean... There is like some logic of kind of like reconsolidating, but I personally would have gone at least one in for one more swipe. It sounds like they really got Attila on the ropes. I think you just got to like try and finish him off. And there's so many times in history where if you just finished your enemy off, there'd be so much less depth. But because for some reason they let him regroup or something. And, uh, Thorsmund, I mean, Atius reasoned with Thorsmund, I, that's going to be a hard king to keep pronouncing, that he would have to fight fiercely in what is worse, disastrously with his own countrymen. So he's like saying, look, you're going to either, if you don't go home, you're going to have to have a civil war on your hands. So you <sighs> should not go out and take on, on Attila the Hun. This is really good persuasive techniques this is like textbook manipulation 101 right here if every time you left there was another betrayal at your doorstep you would just never leave which yeah. granted if people are really treacherous i think that's where you have to gauge your um your other lords if you think they're really treacherous then you know you may consider heading back to consolidate otherwise you expand. Yeah. I mean, and Jordan's like to go on that thought, like Jordan's said that, um, AT that he Thorsman just accepted this advice 
and he on on its face merit of what ATS was saying, like he just believed what um ATS was saying at face value, and he completely missed ATS's double meaning that whether or not he, when he goes home, he's gonna have to fight his brothers for the throne. And yeah. I often don't agree with Jordanes and I tend to argue with him even though he's dead like a madman while I'm researching this stuff but I completely agree with him when he says thus while human frailty rushes into suspicion it often loses an opportunity of doing great things by not taking a risk you lose like a because you're so afraid of these your your life and you let fear take over and you don't take those risks you are not able to become the next you know Attila the Hun the next Alexander the Great because you're so afraid of your brother usurping the throne and those are our inspirational words for the day uh thank you all for listening uh, <laughs> uh so the moral of the story is is don't be afraid. Take risks and go be the next Attila. Claim an empire. And, and this is Scott's TED Talk. <laughs> That's right. We could all learn a thing or two from Attila the Hun. Yes. Also be dramatic. If you aren't dramatic, then what are you? Be interesting. That's how history will remind, remember you. And Thor's mend, he's not very interesting. He makes a huge mistake and it's going to cost him hugely his view of fear of being usurped by his brothers prevented him from conquering the hunnic empire and being able to control his destiny and the visigoths destiny instead of submitting to the romans no one likes those big bad romans no no we they've been they've been like the evil empire in star wars but except for well, I was going to say, except for like an incompetent empire, but actually the empire was pretty incompetent in Star Wars. So kind of the yeah. same thing. Well, you know, people aren't perfect. Well, could you imagine what Attila's, he's like, I, I'm ready for this battle. I'm ready to die. I'm going to go out with honor. And then he's waiting. He's waiting. And there's crickets. There's nothing. Yeah, well, <laughs> so he went, all right, and shrugged his shoulders, he packed up his bags, and then just did his Attila thing by rampaging across his back east, never to be a threat to the Visigoths again. It sounds like hindsight being twenty twenty that taking out the Huns probably wasn't such a high priority thing after all. Well, here's the thing. When Attila went out east, back east, he exacted a lot of protection money from the Romans as he went rampaging out. They had to pay him big time money to just go away. That seems like, yeah, I can understand the, if you're in the shoes of the people at the time, you'd be like, yeah, like, let's just finish off like Attila and friends. Let's just get it out of the way because he might come back. But yeah. in hindsight, it really feels like that defeat them or not, as far as, um, at least as far as the Goths are concerned, 
really not a not a non-issue apart from just claiming you know lands but if they wanted they wanted power and they uh, like every every kingdom at this time they really blew a chance of a of a, a lifetime really to completely overturn the the tides of history they could all of a sudden now you know <laughs> We're in the Visigoths land of all of Europe and changed, you know, history entirely because of that. But that's just not the way the 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 cookie crumbled, so to speak. Yeah, it just sounds like a way to lose a lot of men is what it yes, sounds like. That is true. That that fight is, uh, you know, you 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 get to have a very aggressive claim on the land, but at what cost, right? Yeah, that is very true. It could costly. Attila's war ended up costing over 175,000 confirmed people in the Battle of the Catalonian Plains alone. He certainly left his mark upon Europe and earned his The Scourge of God title. I, I don't even know how they keep the records for all that. Again, the records, the numbers are often in in this time are either overstated or understated most of the time it's overstated but you know it's a huge amount of people like compared to the process it like what he did was insanity um i think in terms of like percentage i don't think world war ii wiped out as much of europe as attila did in percentage wise obviously people wise it's very different but percentage wise he he did he set the the continent quite a bit back. And in 453, Thorsmund received news that Attila the Hun passed away. His mighty empire crumbled immediately. The Ostrogoths, who were Visigoths' biggest rival in the conflict, established a kingdom in Pannonia. Do you know where Pannonia is? I do not. It is a Roman... Um, territory which is like east of Italy uh, best condensed description is it's got parts of western Hungary eastern Austria and bits and pieces of the Balkans so hmm. okay I I got the picture yeah kind of in that area is where they set up shop so after Attila the Hun was defeated Thorsman did not get to enjoy his kingdom for very long Soon after his victory, the Romans and the Visigoths resumed their hostilities over the division of spoils of war from the Huns. So he listened to the Romans and fought them anyway. Yeah, that's the that's politics for you. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's predictable. You have the big menace that two rivals team up against and... When the big menace is gone, they go back to being at each other's throats. It happened after World War II. Once the Axis powers were defeated, the West and Russia resumed their disagreements about communism and democracy, which led to the Cold War. Yeah, and that still doesn't go away. Uh, <laughs> Feels like it. Yeah, and if I remember right, I think even more recent history was like when the United States went into Iraq to overthrow the Saddam Hussein regime. The two like big re the religious powers in the time who were, you know, kept in control by Saddam 
where all of a sudden no longer had to worry about Saddam. So then they went after each other. So, I mean, it just happens over and over and over and over again. Such as uh, the way of humans. Yeah. Well, these hostilities did not go over well with the pro-Roman faction within his kingdom and therefore rebellion broke out just about when he returned home. And in 453, Thorismund was betrayed and murdered by two of his brothers. That's that's it. Kind of a disappointing arc. Well, I guess the uh, the warning that he was given by Aetius was was ringing true. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's why I like said in the beginning, like I like I really think if he would have. He had the army at his back right there. Who cares if they over if they take the throne, you know, back home? He's got the army, and if he defeats Attila the Hun, and then he can incorporate Attila's broken army into his army, his brother's got nothing. So because he was too afraid of being overthrown. <laughs> the self-fulfilling prophecy is he was overthrown. <laughs> Although do you think those Ostrogoths are going to even consider joining up though? I think so. Think about all the, they joined up with the Huns after they defeated, after the Huns defeated them and alliances were made and broken so many times during this time. It probably would have been into their, you know, benefit to join this victorious, army and then especially if they can go after rome who nobody likes at this time that's that's pretty good i mean if things were different i guess and like things back home did not go well and he was aware of that because you know he had like a fee precognition or something or he was just told about it in some way like hey someone back home is you know taking over everything there's just also a chance where he could have also yeah just almost become like the 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 European uh or Western European like Attila of his own, right? He proceeds to just go back to nomadic ways and just yeah. like just uh takes the army, just starts, you know, hey, Ostrogoths, join or die and yeah, just starts exactly. creeping across Europe. I'm not saying it's great long term, but yeah, I don't know. That's a it's a whole lot of what ifs. So Yeah. That's the fun part about history is there's so many what ifs and you get to kind of it's fun, kind of fun sometimes to explore that, how all the things would change just by one little action. Not constructive, but fun. Thorismund, though, by many sources, was just constantly knocked for how timid he was. And I think that's there's a lot more we're not seeing that they constantly were going after him for not continuing to take out the Huns. And I'm starting to believe it's like his overall demeanor was he was not prone to action. And in that, those days, you needed to be prone to action if you were a king, because they led by, you know, up front. Kings did not just send men to the battle. They were the battle. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I think that's a better description yeah that it's more of a sign of his demeanor rather than actual tactical soundness because again hindsight being a little more 2020 is that like honestly the huns really weren't a problem post uh you know the battle of catalonia like it just wasn't 
they weren't, a, they were basically a non-entity at that point, And, you know, they went back East. Not to like, yeah, not to the Visigoths, to the Romans, they were still a problem. <laughs> hey, but, and that's fine. Like, <laughs> I, I think that's, you just leave that be to the Romans. Yeah, that is true. Like, yeah, when you're in Rome, do as the Romans do and backstab everybody. Like, you know, hell, they could have even just like, if you're feeling really greedy, just fight Rome right then and there. You're like, all right, let's go. <laughs> but, that would have been that would have been kind of fun to watch. It would be interesting. The true, the true be- betrayal. Just like, hey, great job beating them Huns, and then oh, by the way, <laughs> well, they kind of did it anyway. They as soon as like they were trying to figure out the dividing the spoils of war they fought over that so they both kind of just turned on each other right away yeah it's how it felt like that there was just like a you know like at least a moment where they're like yeah, yeah maybe we ought to like think about this as buddies and then yeah we're we're not buddies anymore <laughs> yeah it was like they put a face on that they're friends for a, a hot second and then went nope never mind i can't do this <laughs> Well, this is the, I believe, the first betrayal by a monarch's family in our show. And this is not the last one by a long shot. Gasp. (laughs) European monarch's betrayal? Never heard of it. Scott, that's three assassinations and six kings. (laughs) Would you take those odds to rule this kingdom? I wouldn't want to rule any kingdom, to be honest. Like, yeah, there's one paranoia, but two, I have to admit, is that my life as a uh, middle class person today is light years ahead of any king or emperor back way back then. Yeah. Like, I don't even... I will take my indoor plumbing uh, and electronics and less disease we're gonna we're gonna have to keep track of this assassination because uh that that uh percentage of assassination versus kings that died not being assassinated is gonna continue to go up well i guess you can figure out which factions are the most murderous (laughs) yeah yeah we'll have to put like a different uh things later on 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 our website when we create one to show the different like percentages of if you were king in this faction there was a i don't know a 50 percent shot you'd be assassinated 30 percent shot you'd be you know die of sickness or in battle and things like that so how long do you think he reigned based on this story uh he you know did he even make it a year (laughs) like i can't imagine it went well (laughs) he reigned from 451 to 453 so about two years probably closer to one year i'd have to agree with you that's all i got for thorsman are you ready to rate him yeah with what we got Alrighty, for the real game of thrones how he played he's kind of a mixed bag in in war he's a major reason why attila the hun was defeated i mean if it wasn't for his charge maybe attila wouldn't have won because Attila was on the upper hand until that happened. It's the only positive thing, but it's a huge thing. That's like military tactics to me. Doesn't feel like of any like level of politics. That is true. Yeah. He's yeah. just like, I not to say that he was completely replaceable. 
military tactics is not exactly a god-given gift to every single man woman and child well and he did not set that up atius set that up doesn't feel like he really has anything going for him if you're just talking from like a politics thing is yeah he existed long enough and i guess he managed to keep peace with rome long enough to basically not cause infighting at least you know in the during during the the battle even though i know that it would have been under the previous king's rule and then obviously like you know for the short period after like you know what was probably just like a few months i mean so after after (laughs) you after you just talked like it's just that after we discussed that he's such a non-entity like you you could have put a a dummy or or you know um my weekend at bernie's you know the king (laughs) someone to ride down into that battle i all I know is he was at least on good enough terms with Atius to to the, to be actually be able to talk after the the fight. I think that's about as good as good boy points he's gonna get. But yeah. everything else is downhill. I from mean, there. he couldn't hold his nobles, and a rebellion broke out that he was not quashed, and he was assassinated by two of his brothers. You're not good at the at the Game of Thrones if you get assassinated. Clearly. He wasn't doing something right. So the only benefit he has is he defeated Attila the Hun. But as you kind of just discussed and brought to my attention, he didn't even really do that. It was the Roman tactic. So he's right place at the right time. So I I think he was a non-entity. I'm going to give him zero. I don't think he added anything. He could if it not existed and i don't think things would change except for the fact that his brothers assassinated him which sets a precedent but other than that yeah pretty much political non-entity yeah he'll he'll get a zero as much as much as i'd like to give him at least one point i don't think that's really worth worth a point so that's a zero for both of us so zero out of 20 Alrighty, so for Royal Mischief, I don't know if you found anything in that story, but I could not find anything. The, the sources were scarce on him. Wikipedia had like less than a paragraph on this guy. That was, there was nothing. Yeah, the most mischief he probably had was like the daggers in his back. <laughs> <laughs> That he, yeah, that he was a, that he was assassinated. I'm gonna have to give him zero. Yeah, he gets a whopping zero. Alrighty, religious passion. He might have prayed to God as he was getting stabbed in the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was probably Aryan like the rest of the Visigoths at this time. But uh, yeah, he yeah, <laughs> I got nothing. I like where this is going. So zeros, zero. All right. We're off to a great start. Fantastic start. Alignment. Again, I feel like we got more character from Sigurik, who ruled for seven days, than Thorsbend, who <laughs> ruled for almost two years. I'm going to have to go true neutral zero. You know, if I were to give him a point anywhere, this would be probably as bad as close as he's going to get. You could make the argument, and this is loose loose i'd probably still give him zero but 
you can try and go for the lawful approach in the sense that he tried to regain order back supposedly after being persuaded but like they're persuaded by atheists but yeah he just didn't really have enough time to do anything if there was any like establishing law and order and consolidation this man was uh not it yeah that's, that's as close as he's gonna get yeah so if not... i could give him a, a quarter of a point he could get that but no, no. I, I nope i'm giving him zero. Zero. all right on to the next <laughs> stability <laughs> he he had a divided kingdom over pro and anti-romans and he was killed while a rebellion was breaking out zero I, if i could give negative yeah. points i would zero yeah I, I i wouldn't give him negative points because again he's like a non-entity as that far as true. like most things like again if you play if you plopped anyone else there there was a chance that like they would have done just about as good but yeah, so zeros. <laughs> Dynasty. He might get some points here. He is Ooh. the king that... Te no, I was going to say he's the king that turned the tide and defeated Attila the Hun. But we discussed that's not really him. That was more of the Roman commander. Yeah, but if you're talking just like a a level of being able to, yeah, like establish something for your family or you know your dynasty is that he still was the man to swoop down the hillside whether right. or not he orchestrated it is like i think That's entirely true. irrelevant like he All still right. gets his badass points for the day that is true that is pretty I'm badass sorry. points one badass point <laughs> yeah yeah so and the only other thing his brother went on to rule after him so dynasty that his family continued after him granted his brother assassinated him so oh well yeah what it tells me is that apparently he was and this is a loosey-goosey thing especially if his brother assassinated him is that he didn't he didn't muck things up so royally that like people like this whole like family line, this ain't cutting it anymore. Like <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, there there's still a little bit of faith in the family tree. It's just that this guy just happened to be there, and they're like, yeah, you're the guy who went down the hill. Uh, you know, you're filled with rage that your dad died. That probably <laughs> makes you a fine enough king for now, right? <laughs> so you know. He gets one point, at least for me. Yeah, I'll give him one point, and that's just Ooh. for him thundering down the the battle. He he yeah. just narrowly missed being a complete zero. I don't know how many complete zeros we'll have, but yeah, he gets a total of uh, two points across all a, categories. Out of a hundred, solid stuff. Yeah, well, can't all be winners. Uh, and yep, it goes without saying, but he's no Alaric, so <laughs> you had to bring Alaric in. You missed him. He's he's episode one. How can you <laughs> how can you not have him bring him up all the time throughout this whole Gothic line? Yeah. Like he's he's the main man. He is. He uh he gave them so much. He's the OG, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. 
he's the he's the man to be raised on his shield and everyone else gets the gets the same treatment so alrighty make Alaric turn over in his grave yeah so since he has two out of whatever 100 i'm not even gonna ask like who he's near because he's near no one who's the next one who's like the who was the lowest before him he's nearest the peasant that's where he's nearest cigarette <laughs> you know or actually no or i'm sorry yeah cigarette the man who ruled for like what a week yeah it's nice to know that cigarette got more brownie points in one week than <laughs> Thorisman got in one to two years. Alrighty, so do we raise him to, to High King, reduce him to a lesser lord, or burn him at the stake? Charcoal. Burn him. Charcoal. Burn him. <laughs> yeah. No. Burn him. He's done. He let his eternal soul rest in peace as he has set ablaze. Rest in pasta. Alrighty, Scott, do you have anything to say about this non-entity we named Thorismund? Um, I am hoping that the next king does not start with a TH. I guess we have that. This one was pretty much a, he kind of mucked things up. Oh, I'm going to let you in on a little secret that your hopes are going to be dashed. His brother is named Theodoric II. Ah, so God, that's even worse. I already mixed this guy up with Theodoric <laughs> enough as it is. Now we have Theodoric. At least he'll be the second. Yeah, I might be able to work with that. But if you catch, if you catch me calling him like Thoramond or oh God, did you say Theodoric or Theodosius? Because I can't keep track of <laughs> Theodoric the second is the new okay. king. Yeah, this is this is gonna be rough. All right. <laughs> Alrighty. Before we close, we want to thank all of you listeners for listening to our rambling. We tried to give you the best we could with uh, the, the content that we had this this week. Uh, thank you for supporting our podcast. It really means a lot to us. Uh, we put a lot of work into this and uh, appreciate you listening. If you like this story, please tell a friend or family member about it. And if you want to go the extra mile, please give us a review on whatever platform you use. Give us five stars and it'll really help us out and hopefully drive us a little bit up the charts. And uh, we can add in a little more sound effects and a little more funny things for you guys. If you have any comments or questions, please message us on Facebook. Until next time, the king is dead. Long live the king. <laughs>